Hi, my name is Jan and I know little about impact investing, but I'm learning and so are you listening to this audio right now. Today, I want to find out more about the holistic approach of impact investing. So, I called my friend Nita Kai from Chi Impact Investing. You're listening to Conscious Holistic Investment Podcast, the journey of an impact fund. Good evening. How are you? I'm uh, I'm good. It, it starts to get warmer again, which is which is really uh, great for for the personal well being. How is how is your week? Well, the week has been uh, very busy work wise, um, but as we have now our Saturday evening, uh, I just got back from the mountains, and I can only agree that the weather is beautiful, and finally things start to blossom here. How is business? Well, as I mentioned, uh, we had a quite eventful uh, week or so, um, as we're working currently on our fourth investment, uh, for which we have our initial approval, um, and now working uh, in the extended due diligence phase to get to know the company much better. Who, who did you get the approval from? Who needs to approve that? Ah, oh, yeah, true, Jan. Yeah, I can explain a little bit. Um, as you know, we always make a uh, whole list of uh, potential um, yeah, pipeline companies, as we call it. And as soon as something gets more interesting uh, for us, and also uh, a company indicates that they need funding, uh, then we start to take a closer look uh, at them and decide whether we will continue to work uh, uh, with them on their business case. And um, if we uh, then decide to start, we take a very good week uh, just to uh, do desk research, initial interviews with management, look into the financial figures and everything. And uh, if that looks uh, still interesting to us, uh, we start to prepare like an initial proposal, as we call it, which we present to our investment committee. And um, the investment committee is there. That's like a um, board of, uh, or a committee, I must say, of uh, five people, um, of which uh, Christine, my colleague, and myself uh, are also a part of, but also with three external investment committee members to make sure we get also uh, a fresh or uh, also a critical uh, opinion on something. And uh, once uh, our investment committee gives a green light or gives us an uh, initial approval, we uh, can continue to work uh, more intensively uh, on a proposal to make it, um, yeah, like the final proposal for potentially an um, yeah advice to our fund to invest in such a company. And now you you got that initial green light, so now you are. Uh, on the part of due diligence you mentioned. Talk us, uh, talk us through that process. Yeah, there's always such a lovely word, right? Due diligence, or we're in DD, if you uh, abbreviate it even. And then you can wonder, what is it exactly? So you're basically picking the company apart piece by piece and examining each and every one of these pieces. Yes, exactly. And um, you uh, ask questions uh, um, about also, for example, the culture of a company or what mission or vision uh, do they have. So it can be quite uh, high level and um, it's really important also to get to know the senior management. Uh, or we actually always work um, on CEO, CFO level to start off with. Um, but of course, um, if an organization uh, 
um, is, is, is also growing. Uh, it is also the whole, um, not just the structure, uh, how they organize themselves, but also the culture who uh, decides whether something uh, will be or could be uh, successful. So that's definitely also something we take uh, into account. But that's, that's interesting. Are there red flags for you that if you, if you come uh, across certain things during that due diligence phase, especially, especially in, in the culture that you go, all right, that's, that's a deal breaker. We're not going to do that. Yeah, it's interesting that you exactly use this word uh, red flag because that's exactly also the term you use in a due diligence. If you see something that is really uh, like a major issue or something uh, you uh, really don't find uh, suitable, um, then you, you raise indeed uh, the red flag. In terms of uh, a culture, uh, a typical uh, red flag would obviously really be if they don't uh, pay their people decently or if there's a huge gap between uh, the highest earner within the organization and uh, the, the person earning uh, the, the, the smallest salary. That could be definitely a red flag. I see, I see. Let's uh, talk about the holistic approach. Um, we've talked so far about the conscious uh, approach of impact investing and it's, this will be the C, letter C of, of G. Now we're going, we're going to the H, which is holistic approach. Is there even a non-holistic approach to investing? Generally, I think, um, yes, there is, but not for us. As you mentioned, is in our name, the H of holistic. Um, but um, if you would invest for something just for profit, for example, and uh, impact is not something that is that important to you, uh, you can leave the whole holistic part out of the equation. Then that's maybe not relevant uh, to you somehow. For us, however, as a impact investor or as a deep impact investor or authentic uh, impact investor, we couldn't do without the H, I believe. So we need to have this holistic approach as much as possible. Maybe you can expand a bit more on the idea of a holistic approach. We know it's important for you, but could you give us an example where the uh, of, of maybe even an investment where the holistic approach uh, can be seen. In the holistic approach, if we uh, look at a company uh, with certain products, with certain services, we really try to understand what is happening here. What are they doing? What is the mission? What is the vision? What market does the product or the service serve? What clients are there? And uh, we look into the different steps in this value chain. Where are things bought, uh, the, the suppliers, uh, where is it produced, uh, what is being used there in terms of, for example, the energy or the water usage. So we try with different uh, eyes, with different perspectives, and if possible in different positions to look at a deal, at a potential investment, what it has, what, what kind of effects it has on uh, the, the, the social and ecological environment of that company. If I understood that correctly, you're not just looking at a certain time span of a product. You're looking from the very birth, birth of it to when it's being, uh, or when it comes to the, to the end of its life cycle. And ideally it's a cycle and not just a one-way road. Exactly. Yeah, that, that would make uh, most sense. 
is there a certain product or investment that you've made uh, where the holistic approach really shines through? Um, I think in all of our investments, but that's maybe... Uh, uh, that's too easy. I want to have one. Easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but uh, uh, let's go for one uh, that I think that's a great example. Um, that's uh, our deal Vital in Germany. Uh, they make um, reusable bowls for convenience food, for takeaway food, for canteens, for restaurants. Um, the actual bowls are made out of, here comes the word, plastic. Shame and on you. Shame well, no. on you. Plastic. Yeah, this yeah, is exactly. per se well, bad or is it not? Uh, yeah, but that's what I always find then so interesting was uh, people tend to often see things like uh, black and white or uh, good or wrong. Uh, but I think in the end, uh, it's exactly our holistic approach, um, which enables us to look uh, at the uh, total package of something. And uh, it's indeed too easy to say plastic is not good. It's especially about this single use plastic uh, that is used uh, hardly for a couple of hours sometimes even and then um, yeah, ending its life very quickly in hopefully a bin, but maybe sometimes even uh, somewhere in the field. We all know about uh, the, the, the plastic soup in, uh, in the world's oceans. And um, of course, there are certain pictures that are very strong and uh, yeah, people then uh, opposed to. And I think plastic is uh, definitely such an example uh, of a product that can be used very well and sensibly. And you can have indeed this holistic approach there or the cradle to cradle thought or the recycling ID behind it. And uh, that's exactly uh, what uh, Vital also stands for. They um, are not just like uh, the multiple use bowl provider, but they have this whole software or platform and apps around it uh, that makes it also fun to use their product. Uh, you can find new restaurants, you can get certain advices, hey, uh, try this, or there is an offer here. Uh, it is uh, also a whole social, um, yeah, actually element to it. So uh, being yeah, ecologically uh, uh, sensible and uh, using reusable bowls and uh, yeah, reduce uh, the packaging waste goes hand in hand uh, with just a fun app, a fun platform uh, where you find a certain community also of like-minded people, yeah, like uh, like-minded restaurants, or you can uh, read also recommendations and everything. So it's this whole kind of little uh, ecosystem that makes um, yeah it an experience and I think in the end uh, that's also something that that, uh, that that helps a product if it has a story to it or it has a feel around it and that's definitely something that uh, Vital does in a great way in my opinion. So in short the, the holistic approach enables us to take a resource such as plastic which uh, most people think it's bad per se but you use it and you think it through in a cyclic way and that way you can take something as bad uh, so to say as plastic and, and make it turn it into something good exactly because uh, very simple um, we can't live anymore without packaging uh, i mean we need uh, to package uh, food groceries or yes. whatever so packaging is a kind of a given 
And then uh, the question uh, comes along, okay, what is the most sensible way to package something? All right, so uh, vital. That was also the product that was on the German Shark Tank, right? Correct, yeah, that's how they yeah. more or less started, yeah. All right, cool, cool. So already some media exposure there. Um, vital written with a Y. Now, this being our first uh, phone call ever, um, I, we barely know each other, which hopefully is going to change. But one thing I know about you, which I found, what's the word? Uh, intriguing. Intriguing. Yeah, intriguing is, I think <laughs> it is the word. You're a beekeeper. I, I, thought, I, I find this amazing. I mean, more and more people do beekeeping. But for you, it's just great to see that, you know, you, you take the holistic and, and impact approach from your work and go home and do the exact same thing, just in small with your bees. Tell us, tell us about your beekeeping hobby. Yeah, it's an amazing hobby. It's um, also a dream I had since childhood, actually. Um, but of course, you need to have uh, the right um, setting for it because um, starting something like beekeeping is, uh, as a beekeeper, I call it a big responsibility. I mean, it's my hobby, it's my passion, but I also feel very responsible about it because you live with living organisms or actually with a super organism because a bee population, it's indeed, as you mentioned it, a small little world, um, but it's actually a super world. If you open it, there is a kind of a perfection in such a beehive and uh, a way of cooperating uh, how these little insects um, work all together it's uh, fascinating i can't say anything else it's uh, a little addiction in, in in a certain way as well i uh, have my uh, beehives relatively uh, close to my uh, house so for me it's also an easy little walk to it and uh, yeah if, if i'm uh, here or also in my uh, home office or in the weekends uh, no day will pass uh, that I will uh, look at them. I do have to ask, though, you know, closing closing our circle here and coming back to the beginning. Um, you talked about when you do your due diligence, you also, you know, you look at hierarchies and gender equality. Uh, as far as I know, there's only one woman in that hive. How could you possibly invest in something so hierarchic and being dominant by males? Um, it's indeed a very, very female uh, society and it is, um, if the queen is still healthy, indeed pretty much a top-down organization. But the very exciting thing is, uh, as soon as things are not really working out as uh, the population uh, likes, it's also a bottom-up organization. Um, so uh, bees, like the, the, the worker bees, uh, mainly females indeed, uh, decide that things are not working well for them, they can make their own queen and then a population will split. The old queen with a part of the population may swarm away and uh, the remaining part of the population uh, stays in the hive, raises the new queen and uh, is basically uh, well uh, a, a new uh, population. That's actually also the natural way how um, bees uh, multiply themselves. Uh, and survive as well. Um, so it is not purely just the one queen and an hierarchical organization. It goes both ways and it is a true balance they are looking for. 
Okay, okay. That was, that was not the answer I was hoping. I was hoping we both laugh and go, well, yeah, that was the exception. But <laughs> oh, you know, okay. <laughs> you know more about beef than I do, it seems. <laughs> Sorry, now I have a boring long answer about beekeeping at the bottom down and the top down organization. Yeah. All right, Anita, it was, it was lovely talking to you for the very first time. See you next time. Goodbye. Yeah, looking forward. Take care. So there you have it, another closer look into the world of impact investing in more so Qi Impact. If you want to learn more about Qi Impact or hear the other episodes of our podcast, go to qi-impact.com. There you can find everything. Hear you next time.